Hi, this is Ryan Bloom from Urban Bonfire. On today's episode of the Fireside Chat, a really special conversation with architect Wade Weissman. We're going to hear a lot about architecture, but a lot about Wade, what drives him, his responsibility towards his clients' environmental stewardship, and getting really into the nitty-gritty of people's lives, how outdoors has been a guiding principle in his work through much of his 25-year experience, and how he sees more and more importantly how outdoor elements are connective and important in people's day-to-day lives. It's a really fun discussion. Wade is a really beautiful guy, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Wade. Hi, Ryan. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Oh, the uh, the pleasure really, really is mine. Thank you. It's uh, it's great. I've uh, in preparation for this, I've watched uh, some of your videos. I've I've uh, tried to get to know you as much as I could before this, and uh, I've uh, I've been excited about it. I, I appreciate you taking the time. I imagine that uh, you're extremely busy with uh, everything going on in the world. So. A very unusual time, that's for sure. Uh, I think everybody's just kind of feeling their way through the unknowns. Yeah. You know, but the good thing is, is we continue to be very, very busy. So whatever this pandemic has has done, uh, you know, has there's also been a, a new sort of awareness of how important our spaces are. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, and I think a lot of that comes down to people I think just having more time at home and just more space and presence to actually stop breathe and just think about it in a way that in the normal rigmarole of life and all the movement that comes with that hard to sort of just sit and look around and vision and dream it's it's a bit of a luxury to have that that time and space isn't that the case and you know what it's really interesting like Having had a little bit more of that luxury, I've even realigned some of my priorities, um, you know, where I used to just run at the drop of a hat to any opportunity across the country. I'm, I'm a little bit more sort of like careful now to sort of make sure it's really worth the time and effort because not everything is a perfect fit and not everything moves forward. Yep. I couldn't. I mean, I, I was looking back at my uh, my travel log from 2019 and I took like 90 flights. I was away from my yeah, I was like two and a half to three weeks out of every month. I was whether it was a trade show, uh, client meetings, uh, new opportunities, international travel. Uh, I went to Spain. I was hosted by Cosentino, but I was away and I have a very I have a very young family I have a four year old and I, I was away for a big big chunk of it and it starts to really add up and it's 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 interesting how you know I think what at least speaking selfishly and I think what a lot of people and companies have learned is that may not be necessary you can have equal to or, or same impact professionally without as much of a sacrifice personally yeah yeah I and I think honestly it probably works the same in both directions, right? So the person that you're trying to meet with, well, you know, they also probably want to eke out as much personal time as they can. You don't get the four-year-old's lives back. They go by very fast, you know? And when you miss the window, unfortunately, you miss a window. It is the only thing that we can't make back is the end. I mean, it's uh, absolutely true. So, Let's just now. I'm going to make an assumption, and I and I could be wrong based on the sweater that you're wearing. That you are in your Milwaukee in the Milwaukee area. Am I am I accurate? You are not in California at this moment. I'm, I'm in Wisconsin right now. Yes. Okay. And how is uh, how is I, I I find it would be um, I think irresponsible and insensitive of me to. And I'd like to know just in your life, your family, your community, given what's going on in the world with, with COVID and other factors, how are, how are you, your community, the people around you? So, um, well, thank you for asking number one, number I I have been, I've, I've been, my partner and I have been very, very well through all this. And, um, I have to say that the majority of my office has fared very well too. Um, you know, there were a few project managers in our office that um, in the early days uh, 
unfortunately, you know, we're Wisconsin considered construction, you know, a, an essential service. And so, you know, even in the early days of the pandemic, we were having job site meetings. And at the time, you know, there wasn't as much mask wearing and things like that. And unfortunately, one of my um, project managers did come down with it, but he recovered fully and, and got a, a fairly mild case of it. Um, but unfortunately, you know, um, uh, the upper Midwest, you know, just being, you know, in a, in a cooler climate uh, in the autumn, uh, I think we ended up getting the spikes first. And Wisconsin was kind of out of control in like September and just end of September, October, uh, yeah. even into November. And now it's come down a little bit. Um, right. and, and now it's, it, you know, obviously is that sort of cool weather is sort of filtered through a country. Now it's hitting so many other places. Um, I, I tell you that it would be nice. Uh, it would be nice to, uh, to see the vaccine sort of, um, uh, numbers go up a little bit, uh, yeah. you know, as we move into the future and just because, you know, you just, it breaks your heart every time you turn on the TV and you see, you know, families, you know, being wiped out, husbands and wives, grandparents, um, you know, nobody with them at their bedside, except for a nurse covered in, in, you know, um, uh, PP and E and, and, and I just, I, I just, it's just such a, it's just such a shame to, to, to see people have to, you know, sort of end their life that way after leading such an amazing life. And, and uh, you know, the faster we can get through it, the better. So, um, but we're faring all right. We're, we're faring well, I think. Thank you. I, I think, and I'm glad to hear that. And, and I acknowledge, you know, the, the impact that COVID has had on so many on so many moments in people's lives, whether it's the birth of a child, an engagement, a bar mitzvah, a wedding, a, a, uh, an illness, a, uh, a, a mental health aspect where there's such deep need for connection and it's so hard to connect. And I, I was saying to my wife, you know, and this is with the technology of, you know, of Zoom and Google Meet and Microsoft Teams. Imagine if this had happened 10 years ago without those platforms, I think it would have been even more challenging and isolating than it is. And, and it's very tough right now. Um, but, and, and, and I really, I, I try hard not to use the term silver lining because I think it's, it's inappropriate, but I don't have a better term to replace it with. So for sake of this conversation, going back to one of the first things you said is that you're incredibly busy and we've just you know both of us I think acknowledge that um, people are making significant investments or reinvestments into their homes the place where they are safe where they can be with their family in an unrestricted way where they can um, entertain where they can staycation um, so I want to hear about that in the impact of you and your firm uh, and your various offices and, and projects. Um, and I'd like to bring in the subject of how outdoor space activation, outdoor rooms are playing into that as, as a secondary thing. Um, and just to sort of get a sense from you is uh, of, of uh, how is this impacting your firm, the work are you seeing or have you seen some dynamic shifts in what people are now asking for things that they're saying, I want to focus my project or I want to focus my investment on this that they might not have either pre COVID or five or 10 years ago. And I know you've been doing this for 25 or so years. So you've been through numerous economic cycles, stylistic cycles, uh, grow. I'd love to hear from you. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, uh, we, we as a firm uh, have always focused on residential design. And, um, and so, you know, our niche, you know, has been, um, you know, sort of these, um, we've done a lot of renovation work in some beautiful historic neighborhoods with beautiful old architecture. And, um, and, and when I first started out in my practice, um, you know, I was getting renovations and additions to, these, you know, glorious sort of, you know, turn of the century, you know, mansions, let's say, you know, that, you know, sort of, uh, you know, sit on inland lakes and on Lake Michigan on the shore and various places. And, um, and, you know, when you first start out, you're not, you're not really known for a style. 
um, you're, you're, you're essentially sort of being sought out for your sensitivity to an existing building. And, and uh, you know, these were all highly crafted, you know, beautiful, you know, sort of edifices that have been left, you know, from a hundred years ago. Um, and, uh, and so you start building relationships with craftspeople in order to, you know, whatever the changes in the renovations are, you know, you want them to be in, you know, very consistent with what's going on on the rest of the house. And so, um, uh, but, but those homes were designed at a time when they were staffed mostly. And, uh, and so you had the sort of owner family rooms in one part of the house. And then you had these sort of service rooms and the staff areas in the other part of the house, which were given, so much less priority, less, you know, the, you know, the, the cabinetry and millwork was always a step down. The flooring was a step down. It was, you know, well now, you know, families live in those spaces. You know, we don't, we don't live with, with, you know, you know, four or five staff. Um, uh, you know, we gather in the kitchen. In fact, that's where every party ends up is in the kitchen. <laughs> and uh, when, when these were built as utility spaces, clearly they lacked that sort of you know, attraction to hang out in. And so, you know, our first projects were, you know, mudroom projects and kitchen projects and bathroom renovations and things. Um, we started getting known for then being able to add on to these spaces with beautiful craftsmanship and a, uh, a, a consistency of the style of the original residence. And so when we were asked to do new residences, a lot of it was sort of traditionally based. And, um, uh, as we got more and more commissions from different clients um, and, and they would, you know, sit down with us and, and start to, you know, go through, you know, what they were looking to do with their various projects. Um, you know, it, it became apparent, you know, from the very, very beginning um, that there was a need to blend and dissolve the boundaries between inside and outside uh, to accommodate, you know, the way we live today. You know, people are more active. They're more athletically inclined. They love to gather outside, uh, take advantage in the upper Midwest. We have, you know, six months of amazing weather um, and it never seems to be enough. So, you know, to extend seasons, we started creating screen porches with fireplaces and courtyards with fire pits and, you know, places to be able to take the chill off or even transform into year round spaces if we needed to for a special event or something like that. So, in the, in the very early days of our, 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 our firm sort of design concepts were very much inclusive of the entire properties. Um, and some, from the point of arrival, you know, all the way through to the outside gathering spaces, um, buffer spaces, found spaces, adjacent tiny little, you know, sort of side yard spaces that may have been overgrown and forgotten maybe add a, you know, French door into a small side room that could get some light and a little terrace to step out to. And lo and behold, our practice started growing. Um, people so, really so to, to, so to that point, I, 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 I have to, I have to uh, imagine or believe that that was a very premeditated strategy and decision that you made because what you've just described is quite atypical of the historic, architecture design firm that sort of left outdoor space as a, you know, as a distant second where a landscape firm might come in as a second. The fact that you looked at it in, in, in a greater umbrella of the total our property in of itself, that is, that was obviously very ahead of the curve of what we're currently seeing or we have seen historically. It, it, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, uh, but I think you're right. And, you know, like, you know, citing a building is in, and, and when you're given an opportunity to renovate an existing building, you know, there, and I don't care what the context is. I mean, it could be, you know, in a completely, you know, nestled in urban lot, uh, or it could be, you know, on a gorgeous, you know, sort of you know, beautiful landscape vista, you know, lake property, either one, um, uh, you know, will open up opportunities to uh, sunlight exposure, uh, microclimates, uh, being able to block, you know, cool spring winds that come off of the Great Lakes and things mm -hmm. uh, in this particular area. And so when, 
we started getting opportunities from our local clients would say, hey, would you be interested in a project in California or in New York or somewhere else, uh, Florida in particular? Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we started looking, you know, at the same sort of uh, starting point, you know, which was these properties, prevailing winds, um, you know, each landscape has a, a different challenge um, and a different asset. And um, by being able to, you know, sort of abstractly start a process of design, which really kind of embraces all of those things first, gather, analyze, focus, you know, and then be able to start looking at how to set up, you know, the entire sort of site. So the adjacencies of the program between rooms can also have the same sort of um, dynamic quality with the exterior spaces adjacent to it. So, you know, being able to take three major public spaces and gather them around a courtyard where the courtyard then has an adjacency to a garden or a view or allows for a certain microclimate to, you know, enhance it. That's really the, the sort of, um, those are sort of the, the key elements to how we begin to flesh out, you know, a concept into a home. And, and, and to that point, then I, I would also acknowledge that as you look at microclimate and wind and, and, and sunshade and those types of factors at the design level, if you look at the impact on human behavior and the experiences by the user as a net result, the, the I hate to use a cliche, but the, the sum is far greater than the whole of its parts in that context where user can now, if they're into gardening or, or art or doing yoga or cooking or whatever it is, you've now, by virtue of the connectivity of that on an aesthetic and design level, you've, you've then created a platform to create far more dynamic usage and experiences for the actual user than the four walls, roof, floor can offer in many cases. So uh, it's, it's, it's exponentially, uh, the, the, the experiential factor is far greater than the physical in many ways. Uh, absolutely, 100%. And the, the wellness is the sort of byproduct, right? So it is this, you know, it's, it's really difficult, but to, to, to sort of, um, explain in words how the environmental impact of good space has upon your entire being. You know, it's your mental state. It's your um, ability to feel safe. It is that enhancement that, you know, how do you, how do you rate that? You know what I mean? It is, it is to some people, it's very important to some people, maybe not as important, but there is always a benefit. And then when you, when you also start to lay out the bones, you know, of a building uh, with, with its relationship to the site, you know, being, you know, a highest priority, there's another effect that you can start taking advantage of, which is, you know, some of these passive green ideas where the building itself can also be healthy. So not only is the environment and the space sort of inspiring, but the building itself is healthy. You know, we don't want to use, you know, we want to be conscious about VOCs. We want to be conscious about, you know, passive, you know, uh, fresh air being able to infiltrate the house. Um, yes. And not being able, not always relying on mechanical systems and filters to keep ourselves happy, to mm-hmm. actually have windows that open, to actually have a house that ventilates, to make yes. sure that there's a turnover of, of, of air from, you know, uh, on a regular basis, you know, throughout the, the home. Those things, you know, are also part of the just just the sort of basic building blocks of laying out a building. It, 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 and, and because you can start to really play with, you know, how, you know, air infilters the house, how warm air escapes in the wintertime, being able to take advantage of maybe some passive house ideas with exposure mm-hmm. less to the north so that, you know, the collective energy use on the inside helps build a, you know, uh, a, a, a comfortable environment on the inside um, mm-hmm. and to keep energy costs down, save energy. You know, these are all important resources that we need to be very conscious of. And so um, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I package a lot of my architecture in these traditional sort of romantic settings, 
Yes. However, they're very smart buildings and they're meant to, to live well. I think that, first of all, having spent time on your site, your Instagram and, and looking at your work, I think that while you don't necessarily call attention to it, I believe just getting to know you superficially by looking at the work that you put out, the connection to environmental stewardship responsibility is is very evident as a as a core principle and value to you and to your firm it's it's very it's it's evident and i think that as a society um i think we are at a point where we are somewhat lucky that there has been a dynamic shift where environmental stewardship whether it's geothermal whether it's uh, water filtration air as you just recommended or, or just noted uh, uh, sunshade where all of these things are now unbelievably cool to the user versus to the more uh, hippie sort of off the beaten path kind of person who wants to sort of live off grid the idea that that can now be done and the, the you know the, the pace of technology, to accommodate that is amazing. And the more that that becomes mainstream and accessible, I think the greater chance we have on a society-based level of not having to compromise space and design and aesthetic and feel for environmental irresponsibility. And I think that is a beautiful sort of uh, constantly moving goal and objective, but one that seems to be, at least in my humble estimation, moving in the right direction from, from, a, from, a, from, a, from an, uh, an acceptance, a knowledge, and a request basis from the consumer. Oh, man. I mean, it's amen because, you know, our industry, unfortunately, is probably the most notorious for creating a larger, you know, carbon footprints. Um, you know, uh, the construction industry, the disposable sort of attitude that, you know, has come since, you know, sort of, you know, the, the World War II era, um, you know, everything has become so much more disposable. You know, the idea of a 25-year lifelong expectancy of a building is ridiculous. Think about all the resources that went into that building. I, I just witnessed, um, you know, a significant um, skyscraper building that Northwest Mutual Life had built in the 70s as part of their campus in downtown Milwaukee, and they literally tore the entire building down. Um, they didn't tear down the original building that was built in the 1800s that you know had the, you know, the glorious columns and classical facades. Um, but, but, but this sort of mid-century 70s era was just sucking out energy like you couldn't believe. And it was much more efficient for them to build a whole new building with the latest technologies. And when you drive by there at night, seven o'clock at night, the entire building is dark. Like they don't have their lights on all night long in the offices. You just, you see that, you know, there's an evidence about that building um, now in its prominent location here, um, which, which, you know, it's unfortunate that, you know, we had to get rid of that, but I think that this new building, you know, that could be there for the next hundred years. Um, and, and I, I, I find that, um, you know, and, and, you know, when, when I first started this, you know, when I first got into the, the practice of residential architecture, um, it wasn't really like an academically sort of, you know, um, uh, taught profession. Um, you know, we were all sort of, you know, uh, studying, you know, what the architects were doing with these, you know, crazy modern buildings and things. And those are fabulous, but to the vast majority of the population, Th those 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 are buildings that you they're sort of novelty you see them once in a while so designing a good building is a really hard thing to do and it's a serious thing to do and I think we are now starting to recognize how serious that is because the energy consumption um, the carbon footprint the longevity um, whether or not the building you know becomes obsolete within 20 or 25 years uh, you know, I, I, I think that that's a shame. You know, I, I look at these beautiful old warehouse buildings that were built with craft, even though they were utility, and those buildings will always have a life, always have use. They will because they're, they weren't built so programmatically specific that they can adapt. 
And there's a good lesson there. There is the adaptability factor. And I think that is, you know, today such an important thing because, I, you know, our parents' generation, they basically lived in one home for the vast majority of their lives. Right. So the adaptability factor wasn't as crucial as today. I, I think I read recently the statistic, if you're under 40 in the U.S. today, you'll live in 3.2 homes in, in your lifetime. So I think the ability to take um, principles and allow for adaptation, whether it's uh, socioeconomic, whether it's geopolitical, whether it's uh, technology-based, I think the... I think the brilliance in the creative firm and, and leadership is to allow that, allow that weave of it's fixed enough that it meets with today, but dynamic enough that you're not locked into things and things can grow and evolve with you. And I think that's, I think that's, we're seeing that happen on, on, on so many levels at, at the product level where today, you know, I, I don't drive a Tesla, but if I did, it would get an update like the same way as my iPhone does. And there's a new technology that's built in. I don't have to bring it to the dealership. So I think we're seeing that happen across so many platforms. And it's going to lead me into really the next thing I wanted to ask you about or talk to you about, which is the notion of, um, of leadership. And Obviously, I spend a lot of time uh, researching architecture and design firms across across the world. We work a lot with architecture and design firms. It's an area that I that I spend a, a fair amount of time uh, immersed in. Mm. If you go to the average architecture firms or design firms Instagram page, you typically see perfectly styled beautiful finished projects that really show the, the glamour shot, the beauty, the end result, the vision, what people are looking for. Mm. I go to yours. I see a completely different, very mixed bag of messaging. It is extremely rare that you would go, if ever, you would go to an architecture firm's Instagram page and see a fruit centerpiece on a table. You would see masons working in the middle of a wall. You would see the beginning of projects still in the mud. You would see plans being, you, I think, are demonstrating whether, again, intentionally and by design, or this is just you being you in the way you market and convey yourself as a leader and, 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 and as a brand, you're really showing the story and that architecture is not just, you know, angles and, and building code and materials and, and construction. You're sharing the, the micro parts of what this turns into in people's lives. And first of all, I wanna compliment you on it because I think it's incredibly refreshing. And secondly, I think it follows suit, at least in the business um, domain of our world with the most influential leaders and brands. I think you know, you rarely see, uh, you know, Mercedes talk about mistakes or missing a quarter, but Elon Musk will proudly and almost un, un, unapologetically said, we missed the quarter, we didn't do this right, we had to fix this, I slept on the factory floor, not afraid of sharing the journey. Yeah, I love that in today's business leaders. So I'd like to ask you about it. Um, was it premeditated? Was this just you being you? And, and first, I compliment you on because it makes me as a consumer say that is exactly the kind of firm that I would want to work with. If I was renovating or building a home because I don't want the fluff. I want I want I want the real shit. Yeah. And you share and you share that beautifully. You know, the traditional sort of way people show buildings and, you know, these sort of magazine spreads and things, and, you know, it's sort of what, you know, our industry kind of promotes itself on is, um, you know, it's, it's great. It's fine. Um, uh, but it's static. The dynamic is what happens in those environments. Right. And, and, and to anybody that's getting a chance to do a project, 
I feel like everything, the whole experience, being out on an empty lot, the first stakes that you set, you know, where you're walking the client through and say, this is where the living room is going to be. Here's this vista. This is the courtyard. And, you know, it's just wooden stakes and some, you know, uh, fluorescent colored tape on it. But it's, it's so symbolic. This is a, a one to two year period of life or period in their lives where they're doing something extraordinary. You know, I want their grandkids to find the old photographs of the groundbreaking or of, oh, look at this picture. Look at the houses under construction. That's when grandma and grandpa built the house, you know? Like I was fortunate in that I grew up, you know, here in Milwaukee um, with, you know, a ton of family around, right? I mean, you know, I, I come from, you know, two sides of the family. They were both here. Um, my grandparents lived across the street, uh, you know, immigrated here from Germany in the 1950s. That's how my dad ended up coming here. Um, you know, their German traditions of cake and coffee, you know, post-church, um, you know, the table set with all of the little offerings from the foundation plantings of all the neighborhood houses were sitting on the table. There was this incredible awareness of your immediate surroundings, an awareness of the time of year and the season, the celebration of those events in those seasons that became, you know, like benchmarks in your life. And they're beautiful and they're part of the scrapbook of a life and, 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 and buildings can play a part of that. And so for me, our, my, the way I kind of look at, at architecture is architecture is great, but it's, and it should be durable and it should keep the water out and it should do all these fabulous things that we want it to be. But, um, and, and some people may love to live in a very stark, you know, minimalist, just purely essential beauty kind of, you know, environment. And then there are those people like myself who just have a passion and a love of things. And I just keep harvesting things from, you know, grocery stores to antique shops to, you know, a walk in the forest. And I gather them and I bring them in and, and I, you know, and I, I have them around me and they're my little points of comfort. But those are the things that make me exciting. Those little creative endeavors, those little moments of bringing in a piece of spring or a piece of summer or, you know, a piece of winter, you know, that that marks the passage of time and, and, and each year is different. And, you know, the evidence of, of those years added up are when you look at the photographs and you realize half the people in there are gone. They're not there. So you 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 cherish the life that was i cherish the life that's lived in these walls and to me that is worth passing on down if you do it right and it's of quality then it becomes an heirloom it becomes something that gets passed down it becomes something that is treasured and i love when a building or that when 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 you know you think about like the kennedy compound I'm not even talking about physically what it looks like, just the whole idea of that has been in a family for how many generations it served as a backdrop for presidential discussions for, you know, world events like we're facing right now that were determined within some of these walls, these conversations, there's, there's something that's really um, to me significant. And, and I don't want to overly ro romance it, but at the same time, I think to, to just dispose of it is, is, uh, is a shame. And I'm really happy when I see, you know, families and enterprises embrace their surroundings um, where they continue to build and enhance and the dynamic of the life and the times that are trans, you know, are taking place in these spaces have to be accommodated. There has to be a change to the architecture. I love that. I really love that. 
what you've just said is uh, incredibly profound and, and deeply meaningful to me. And I'll, and I'll share with you fundamentally why I started Urban Bonfire, not knowing then what it would be. I had absolutely no idea. Uh, my business plan was on the back of a napkin. It's, I want to be William Sonoma for the outdoors. That was it. It really was that simple. I had never heard about an outdoor kitchen. I'd never thought we were going to, it was so far, but what I was trying to capture and you described it, that rhythm that creates people's lives. And you talk about on the, uh, in, within the four walls. And what I said to myself was, I, my friends, even though most of us live in, in, in Quebec, which has similar weather patterns as you probably grew up with in, in Milwaukee, tremendous seasonality. But with that, that rhythm is built in. The leaves change colors, they fall. Winter comes, the trees blossom. There is a certain more rhythmic aspect to living in places that have more harsh climate versus others. Yeah. But I acknowledge that, at least for myself, the greatest memories, the things that I remembered most, the most fun times were often in outdoor spaces and outdoor environments. Building this bonfire pit at, at my family country house, which is nothing like the Kennedy compound. My you know, parents bought it in 1980 for $28,000. That's what it was. But that outdoor space become, became the essence of enjoyment of much of my childhood. And I wanted to bring that spirit back to people's lives because I believe, and we talked about it earlier in the discussion, that there has been a tremendous historic disconnect between thought, investment, planning, and outdoor space versus indoor. Mm. And it's starting to change. And this is where I want, I want to ask about this. Um, you know, outdoors was often the afterthought people and I've, I've been to people's homes lots of them when we were still serving the consumer and clients directly which we don't do anymore but you know go to somebody's house they'd spent half a million bucks on on an indoor kitchen cabinetry from europe uh, wolf subs every every little detail and four feet away through a glass wall was an old rusty barbecue and that level of disconnect was that i was trying to in its essence bridge yeah what are you what are what are you seeing and what have you seen shifts and changes in what clients are asking for in their prioritization of outdoors has the creation are there new products and technologies that make it easier for you to activate spaces i'd love to get your thoughts now on the outdoors as sort of a general topic because i know you weave it into your projects in a very very proactive way unlike many yeah it no it's it is it is as important as the most important rooms of the house. The program, the outdoor program for us is, is essential in beginning to understand what the client's ambitions are for the project. Um, because, uh, and sometimes it can be ignited and discovered. Um, but what's really amazing is that, that bringing that, to life, like for instance, I had a fantastic pro a client with a beautiful piece of property in, in, in Geneva Lake, which is just outside of Milwaukee. Um, client built a really beautiful residence there. Um, and a uh, uh, few years later, the next door neighbors, um, they, they were put their house up for sale and they ended up purchasing that and building a sports or building a sports barn entertainment complex on the property to enhance the residence that we already had. And so, you know, I had this beautiful piece of just double lot now on this with this gorgeous exposure. And now I have this ability to create, you know, five buildings and five buildings with amenities that can be sort of housed next to tucked into between all of these elements, including a landscape water feature that sort of flowed down, which was the natural drainage uh, of the topography, um, you know, the swimming pool, the ability to create a lawn that could be flooded for a skating rink in the winter. We built a warming house out of stone with a fireplace. And, you know, all, all these magical little environments and experiences 
are really, that was sort of the finishing component when they decided to purchase this other property is now all of a sudden, it wasn't just, you know, twice as nice. It was 10 times nicer because we were able to create so many opportunities for them to use the outside in different ways. There was a small pond. There was a a garden that was raised. There was a wooded area, which the client went in, had all of the invasive species removed and had the whole sort of like forest land, um, you know, brought back into, you know, a healthy environment that they could maintain full of indigenous species. And then subsequently now all the animals that have sort of come back, right? Hmm. So the house, the, the activation of the outside is wonderful. And it's fantastic when you can start adding things like swimming pools and skating rings and stuff like that. That's great. Gardens, etc. cetera. Yeah. But then there was this other part, right? Which is now we're going to enhance the native, you know, species of the area, give it a chance to really thrive and let's see what else it attracts. Well, now all of a sudden you have nature and bird watching and the kids are all involved in watching the frogs and the tadpoles and, like, it's just like this wonderful, amazing environment. Well, this client, because of the interest in the outside and all the things that, you know, we have brought to it, um, and ended up um, uh, having a second residence on a biodynamic, uh, taking a, and making a biodynamic farm, you know, in Southern California, which is all about the outside. And so we decided to design the house completely different. We designed the house all the public gathering spaces are all the courtyards between the various components of the house and the house itself, the indoor spaces are clearly for refuge. So all the activities from gathering food to gathering together, to swimming, to exercise, to cooking, to eating, dining, watching TV under the stars on a projection TV, all of it's outside in a series of courtyards where the walls are actually the inside spaces. I haven't had a it's, chance. It's, to it's, it's, it's the resort mentality in, in some where the cruise ship one, your room is yes, you can rest and sleep and, and, you know, take a shower, but the most of the experiences are designed around outdoor connectivity with others. And it's that kind of thing that people really, I think are very much drawn to because it, it becomes far less limiting and, and the, the amount of creativity that can be deployed outdoors is substantially more vast than indoors because it doesn't have the same restrictions of space. I need a roof. I need a ceiling. I need a floor. I need a foundation. You know, you want to build, you're into volleyball. You can do anything with it. it it's really a beautiful blank canvas. I, I will say the one thing that I really, really, you know, sort of really love also is that. Um, when you start talking about, you know, creating spaces outside, courtyards, you know, pergolas, outdoor kitchens, outdoor hearths, you know, even the, the sort of, you know, like swimming pools, ponds, things like that. Um, mm -hmm. The one thing that you, what, which I really love, which is, which is great, is the conversation then also needs to include durability and longevity because the outside is a harsh environment <laughs> compared to yes. the inside. And yes. so like when you're talking about, you know, putting in outdoor appliances for cooking, mm -hmm. you know, for me, I want a variety of things. I want everything from, you know, the wood fired oven to mm -hmm. the wood burning trapeze grill to, you know, the, the, the high, you know, sort of, you know, heat that you can get with, you know, a great gas grill and things. You know, and then maybe also a big sort of water wall that allows you to be able to, you know, continue to sort of like, especially on this farm where they're, you know, bringing in stuff from the fields and the harvest and everything. I want that bounty right there, right in the kitchen. Yeah. I don't want it somewhere else. And so to process it, clean it, wash it, make it, you know, sort of, you know, transform it um, is really, is really kind of a beautiful thing. And uh, and, and, and to be able to do that in an environment where you're completely outside and you're sharing that experience with the other people around you, that's a memory 
that becomes associated with that place that will, those are your best memories. Like you brought up before, those are absolutely my best memories are those things, those shares, those, those events, that birthday party barbecue, where the food was just amazing. The experience was amazing. The glow of the light, you know, you got a couple glasses of wine in you and you're just in the most happy place. And by virtue of it being outside, there is a level of playfulness and simplicity that if you're having, you know, a bunch of people over for a dinner indoors, you know, serving them a burger, for example, it might be, I'm not trying to think, I'm trying to think the right word, but it might, might be considered as off versus preparing more of, 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 a, of a sort of a meal or a dinner with courses and things like, but outdoors, it's completely appropriate. It's, it's, it's delicious. It's what people want. And you mentioned in one of the first things you said is that, you know, the kitchen is always where the party happens. And whether you're ready for it and the guests are arriving, it's like, oh shit, the guests are on time and I'm running 10 minutes late and everyone's crowding into that kitchen. You're absolutely right. Um, and that's why I believe that and, and why I, I think that the, the notion of a kitchen is, is far more than just cooking. It is, it is grand central for our lives. And I believe that in most cases, the same philosophical principle holds true in outdoor environments. And I think that is the newest um, or one of the newest principles that leaders in design and architecture are imparting on their clients, along with great brands in this industry. And I'm sure you know and have worked with Kalamazoo. I, I yeah. think that they, they express that vision the way you've just described, that bounty, that place that is not a go-between. It, it is fully immersive. You don't have to run back and forth. I think they accomplish that in their product and their branding in, a, in an absolutely brilliant way. Um, and I, I think that people are really getting attached to this. Um, and it's exciting. It's really it, exciting. It, it, it's, it's very exciting. Um, and, 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 you know, uh, it, it, what's really interesting is, um, I mean, uh, I, obviously, we have a firm in, in the upper Midwest. Um, you know, I have an East, East Coast office that's centered in, in Pittsburgh, and the, mm -hmm. the West Coast office is in Santa Barbara. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, working in and about Santa Barbara has always been, you know, kind of interesting for me as well, because uh, in order to keep the character of Santa Barbara, um, you know, they have very stringent building codes. Um, and, um, and when you go there, you, you see, you know, these beautiful, cute little craftsman cottages and small little adobe houses. And, you know, it's just, they're, you know, really Spanish colonial and on tiny little urban lots, you know, with, with small yards, uh, but you see a livability that, you know, sort of came from the 1920s, right? So after the big earthquake there, you know, there was a, a big, a lot of, a lot of construction. Um, people built all these little homes um, and they're on tiny lots. And, and you know, the, the big house sort of movement came and people were like, well, I, you know, I want to tear it down and build something new, three stories tall. I want to see the ocean. Uh, no. <laughs> The, the, the square footage that you're allowed to build has been so much less. Like the, the subsequent building codes, you're actually penalized if you do that. So what happens is, is people find ways to redo those, but because the climate is so nice, you can live outside. You don't need to have a ton of indoor condition space. It's kind of unnecessary. And so these series of little yards and gardens, and there's citrus trees and avocado trees everywhere. They're almost like their own little urban farms. And it's really remarkable to see how, you know, you know, we talk about this being green so much, man, they were the original green, you know, they didn't throw out disposable paper cups back then. They, they washed, you know, a China cup, they had a cup of coffee, they washed it. They ate off of a plate. They didn't just have, you know, ease paper plates and, you know, tearing down forests and stuff like that for, you know, disposable paper products, you know, they all lived in a much more sort of like green environment. And when you go to Europe, 
like you go to a, a, a little roadside fair, you know, where they have a few rides or whatever. And I, you know, walk to the cafe and they give you this fabulous espresso with a, a cup and a saucer and a little metal spoon and they wash it. It's at, a, it's at a fair that never happens here. And it's just because they don't have the resources to dispose of. They just don't. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I spend, or not now, and I have spent tremendous amounts of time in Costa Rica. Every year I go with my wife, it's where I got married. Uh, and, and I can tell you the little hotel that we stay at, which, which has uh, environmental stewardship and, and, and responsibility as one of its core values. I don't think that for the entire hotel, which is about 30 rooms, I don't think they fill up a garbage bag a week compared to what most people do in their homes, which is two or three or four a week. It's yeah. just a complete, because it's a proactive and it's, it's not a sacrifice. It's a joy. It's cultural. That's the and, difference. It is cultural. It is a joy it, to protect my, and to take care of my, and, and here for most people, oh, I got a compost recycle. It's a pain in the ass. It's, it's not, it's not joyful, which makes it people apprehensive. Whereas Specifically, you mentioned Europe in the Scandinavian countries, you know, it is a joyful, it is a responsibility of society to take care of the future for our kids and our grandkids. And we have to do it. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. I think our country is now starting to embrace it. I I think, you know, um, uh, when, when you're in places that are much more environmentally delicate, um, California, Colorado, other places, you know, I, um, I lived in, in Colorado for a while and, you know, I noticed that they don't use road salt, you know, on their highways and they use sand. Um, they have a whole different mentality, but they, they can't really afford to pollute, you know, using road salt and things that, you know, you, you kind of, when you grow up and it's been sort of the norm, and you look at these vast mountains of salt that are, you know, sort of perched on, you know, the sort of municipal parking lots that are going to get spread out all over. You're like wondering, oh, that cannot be good for the environment, you know, and then for the water systems and for the natural sort of, you know, um, you know, plant materials and things like that. So it's, you know, travel for me and being able to work in other regions of the world um, has exposed me to methodologies that other cultures have embraced that are far more advanced than us when it comes to the environment. You wouldn't think about, you know, draining a horse shelter in a field in Germany, you know, out into the pasture. That water gets collected and it actually gets treated before it's released into the watershed. And it's just part of their building process. Yes. So we need to learn a little bit more and embrace some of these because clearly it's available. It is. Yes, it is. And I think it will be, you know, with technology and with scale, it will become increasingly available and or law and or far more sought after where the consumer doesn't have to necessarily spend two or three X in order to get the environmental responsibility or stewardship on a car or a countertop or a roofing structure or a way to power their home. And I just think that is the, that is the exciting, that's the, that's the Disneyland like uh, excitement for me in terms of where we are going as, as an industry and, a, and as a society. Cause I think, as I said earlier, I think we're going in the right direction overall. Um, so well, I, even, I think it's really cool. Yeah. Even the latest, I think, you know, um, you know, obviously, you know, here we are, uh, you know, on the, the, the uh, eve of, uh, of a new inauguration, um, you know, and, and new leadership. And you brought up the, the word leadership earlier. Um, you know, uh, I get very excited when I hear about, you know, the, the government wanting to back alternative, you know, energy resources and development of, you know, green initiatives, um, to create, again, maybe some more awareness of the environment that the private industry could respond to and, you know, bring about, um, you know, this uh, uh, 
apparatuses that will assure that the generations beyond us will, you know, have clean and safe environments to live and thrive in even better than what we've seen. I mean, it's been dramatically different than the pollution films I remember looking at when I was in fourth grade on TV, where they were just dumping junk into the Cleveland yep. rivers and yep. all these, and it's totally different now. It's completely different than that. Um, even Milwaukee, I remember seeing that when I was a kid, you know, just the smokestacks and everything everywhere. There's hardly any smokestacks anymore. I think if we give the vet, look, there's not perfect rules on everything, but I believe most more people are inherently good than, than the other way around. And I think if you give people the choice to make the right decision, you don't have to enforce it as much. So government can obviously get involved and it's a great initiative. But I think if you were to do a poll of, you know, thousands and thousands of people, most would say whether I, whether the government tells me to or not, I'm going to put on my seatbelt. Yeah. It's just the right yeah. thing to do. Now, the ticket is not the deterrent for the vast, I'm sure there's some, but not the vast majority of, of people. And I believe the same thing holds true on if it makes sense and it's accessible and it's presented to me in such a way that I'm doing good with very minor changes to human behavior, I think most people adapt that with, with, with fair ease. Yeah, and I, I, for me, I think, you know, I think the, the biggest challenge is, is, is making it available for the, for the vast public. I, I think right now, um, you know, if, if, you know, you have the financial resources, you can be, you know, the best steward of imaginable. <laughs> um, yes. and, and that's wonderful that, that those individuals, you know, are willing to lay that, you know, investment out for it because they're trying to set an example. Um, yes. But, but, but I, you know, I'm, I'm anxious for it to be mainstream, uh, uh, you know, and, um, uh, and, 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 and not for any reason, except for the beginning of that sort of generational cultural shift that I think, you know, we sort of became a very disposable society. We've now seen the ills of, of how, you know, that sort of, carelessness can affect us in the long run. And I think it's starting to shift, but it, it, it's not as, it's, it's not as fully mainstream as I think we need to be. I could not agree more. And I think it's, you know, one of the unfortunate features is that there is an economic cost to mindful living, whether that's environmental health, you know, that the idea today still that you can, you know, you can get a burger for 99 cents and it's, you know, $6.99 for, for a small salad. You know, there are principles not only in, but in every aspect where there, it yeah. takes a certain economic level to live mindfully. But I think hopefully over time and scale, that bridge comes down uh, on, on sort of all, all levels and it's easier and it doesn't have to be an economic choice. Um, and, and I think that over time, we, like in every other, in other things, we're, we're going to get there. You know? Well, your, your, your whole concept of, of urban bonfire is really awesome <laughs> because I, I, you know, having have a, 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 a place, a little sort of cabin up on a lake in Northern Wisconsin, um, the feature of the yard is a huge bonfire ring. And it is the gathering place. It's, you know, it's where I felt the most connected to my friends when I, you know, if I invite someone up to share in that experience, um, you're either going to never invite them back or you're going to love them forever. Um, and it's because you can connect into this place where you let go of, of, of some of that armor that you wear and you yes. get a chance to experience the real emotions and the real soul of the people that you may have known and liked, but now you're really getting to understand, you know, their makeup and their being. Um, and I feel like I've connected with you on your passions and um, your motivations for, you know, bringing you know, uh, people into a conversation. 
I, it is, it is what drives me every day to continue to do this because I believe that it is important. Um, and, and I have fun doing it. And, you know, it's, it's, I'll tell you, it all came, I'll give you the con that we built our first kitchen in 2014, nothing like what we do today. You know, it was a three and a half month. I talk about it in my presentations of why we don't do that anymore. Just <laughs> the painstaking effort of doing it. But I remember the client telling me afterwards, you know, every year before my kids go away to camp, I give my, my, my wife and I give them the choice of where we go to dinner as a family the day before my kids go off to camp for six weeks. And they used to pick, you know, whether it was a really nice Italian restaurant, this, you know, this famous steakhouse in Montreal that we have called Moishas. It's been around for over a hundred years. And he said, now they just say, dad, can you make your ribs and can we just be at home? And eat outside because that experience is more meaningful. The food is better. That's what they actually want. Yeah. And it doesn't come down to much more than that for me to sort of say, I, I, I feel a responsibility to, if that is the net result beyond it looking beautiful and pretty in the pictures and the design, but if the net, net, net result, when you get away all of the blinders and remove all the filters is that, I feel good. You know what? That's, and that is something to be proud of because um, uh, that will serve them well their entire life. You know what I mean? They will get so much more out of life being able to go back to those lessons, connect on such, you know, sort of basic human sort of level and, um, uh, and that, that consciousness and that sharing, you know, those are the things that strengthen the ability, you know, empathy is such a gift if you have it, you know, um, and, and to those that unfortunately can't or don't have it, or don't have that ability, um, you know, that, that is where I think you see people, you know, not being able to be fulfilled. That's where they, that's where they need more material things. That's where they need more stimulation. They don't have this inner contentment. Um, and uh, as I've gotten older, I've realized that, you know, you know, when you have worked long enough, you can essentially afford things that you always dreamed about. But for some reason, I've realized I just have no need for them anymore. <laughs> and I'd rather spend my time on a, you know, great meal uh, gathered around my campfire or my table with the people that I think are most inspiring to me, the other creatives in my life that I've had a chance to know, the people that, you know, have set their priorities in a place that I admire and want to emulate. Um, those are the those are the things that that inspire me uh, more than, you know, a designer car, or, you know. <laughs> to that to that exact point, I can recall, you know, this past summer and summers before around our bonfire pit and having the owner and managing director of a hedge fund, the CEO of a publicly traded company. And a guy making 16 bucks an hour who lays drywall sitting around and you would never know the difference. Yeah. And the, that is to me the great joy in outdoor and that it just brings people back to the studs and it's real. And to your point, it, that's really the, the environment creates the platform for that realness to come out. Oh, and I, I love it. It's just the, it's the best, right? I mean, it all is. of a sudden it's like the clouds part and, oh my God, look at the sky. Oh my God, look at the stars. Oh, wait, was that lightning? Is there a storm coming in the middle of the night? Or were those lightning bugs? Was that a bullfrog? Was that the Northern Lights? Was that, you know, I mean, these are all the most incredible gifts that you could, you, you can't even purchase. You can purchase, but those when they come up and you get a chance to experience it with someone, there's a, there's a connection. It's, 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 it's cosmic. 
hard to complain about crown moldings didn't come out the way I expected it <laughs> when you're in that kind of environment. So I, I completely agree. And, and, and I love that you see it that way. Yeah. Wade, this has been a, a really not only a pleasure and honor, I, uh, I acknowledge and agree that I think there's this very interesting connection and I hope that we get to uh, talk more. Um, I hope post pandemic, my travels lead me to uh, somewhere where you are and we could, uh, you know, break bread and, and, and have, uh, have a, you know, lunch or dinner together. I would enjoy it very much. And I don't know if you've been to Montreal um, and if you have not, from an architectural level, I mean, I note Pittsburgh, for example, in terms of, uh, you know, Gothic revival, but if, if, if your travel and it's, it's a very easy flight, Milwaukee, Montreal's two hours door to door. Um, if at any point your travels allow you to uh, visit Montreal, I think that you would have a remarkable experience and uh, be, it would be a great pleasure for me to, to welcome you and uh, I, show you a little bit around my city. I'd love it. I can't wait. And you know, I love to, the insider tours are always the best because those are the things where I get to find the little neighborhood markets that have like the best cannoli or something, you know, that's what yep. I love. And that, that is, uh, that is what I love to do. So I, I, <laughs> I would love, hopefully that, uh, that happens uh, sooner than later when we can put uh, COVID behind us. Let's make that happen. Absolutely. And it's coming. So, um, and Canada is definitely one of the places that I've never been and want to go so badly. And growing up in Wisconsin, I don't know why we've never been, but I've never been across the border ever. Easy to, easy to get to. We'll, we'll, we'll change that. Uh, we'll change that sooner than later. Thank you. I really appreciate the invitation. Please expect me. I, uh, I, I will. And, uh, continued, uh, safety, health, well-being to you, your community, your team, your family, and uh, speak to you again really soon. Thank you very much for the time. Well, that was one of the best hours I can remember in a really long time. I feel like I have a new friend in Wade. I absolutely align with his values, with his vision, with what's important to him. And if I was building a new home today or renovating, he would really be at the top of my list for the type of architect who really gets what I would want to build for myself and my family. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and there's a lot more great content coming from the Fireside Chat. If you'd like to, please subscribe and join us on Apple, on Spotify, and join our conversation on LinkedIn, on YouTube, and of course on Instagram, at Urban Bonfire. We'd love to hear from you, comments, ideas, suggestions, or just your thoughts. For now, this is Ryan Bloom signing off and thank you very much for your time.